You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And today's episode, uh, saw it over the weekend. Can't remember if it was on 60 Minutes. Uh, not 60 Minutes, CBS Sunday Morning. I can't remember. Um, I saw it on one of those mainstream media platforms. And then as things happen, because your consciousness uh, draws the energy to the direction you want. So I started seeing showing up in my YouTube feed about uh, the West being in a severe drought. So the title of this podcast is the West is being terraformed. So we're going to get into this. Uh, Those that don't know what I mean by terraforming, if you're only a podcast listener, uh, you can go to the YouTube channel, Truth Uncompromised, and you can look at the last few episodes of the series that we're doing called Mama Terra and the Consciousness of Her People. Uh, You can look at episodes 37, 38, and 39, and we get into quite much detail on what terraforming actually is and how the entire planet has been terraformed. So uh, we're going to go over this particular issue about what's going on in the West, in America, And let's get started here. So let's bring some technology in here and get it started. There we go. Okay, so uh, this is, as you can see, from a site called Earth Labs. Um, It's actually an education thing. Okay, and I I liked how they put this together. They go into a lot of... uh, detail. So the drying of America West. The Colorado River Basin is the major source of water for people in the driest part of the United States. More than 30 million people in seven states depend on this river as the primary source of their water. In this case study, you'll find out how changes in climate over the Colorado watershed are changing the amount of fresh water available in the river. You'll also see how population of the great region that uses this water has grown, resulting in increasing demand for water from this source. Okay, so just to be clear, the Colorado River Basin and the seven states that depend upon its water. So here are the seven states. Okay. Now I also want you to notice this water line or the river that supports these seven states. 
Okay, now we know Callie alone family. Uh, I forgot the population size of Callie. We know it's a huge population, okay? So we know that its particular water needs are very hefty, okay? Arizona is another place where the population has exploded. Nevada is the same. Uh, Nevada is getting there, okay? Um, and I judge these things by, of course, raw data. I mean, raw data is, is the ultimate telling point. Uh, but also, you can uh, judge it by the housing prices as well, okay? Because Cali's always had a higher uh, housing market. Nevada did not used to be like that. I remember when Nevada's housing prices were very, very reasonable. And because uh, I know a couple folks that moved to Nevada and they absolutely loved it, yada, 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 this, that, and the third. And now when I see housing prices for Nevada, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, right? Okay, Arizona, I didn't, I don't track their housing prices as much as I do Nevada and California. Uh, I just know that a lot of retirees are starting to move to, to Arizona. So I could see that being, uh, have a heavy population as well. Utah, uh, I keep a lookout on Utah. I know for a fact, uh, being in tech, that a lot of tech heads are moving to Utah. A lot of tech heads are moving to Utah. Okay. Colorado, uh, I know that has exploded in population. I semi-watch the housing prices on Colorado, but I know a lot of the... Um, Younger population, well, back when we were young, <laughs> uh, made that trek to Colorado. Uh, the housing was great, but a lot of people are drawn to Colorado for the um, natural habitat, the beautiful scenery, and the same with Utah as well. Uh, Wyoming is Wyoming. I don't know too many people moving to Wyoming. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, same with New Mexico. I don't know too many people uh, moving there. But nonetheless, the Colorado River Basin, which they are depicting this, supports all of these states. Now, I also want you to just remember the shape of this river basin. Okay, so those that rock with us on Truth Uncompromised, you should know where I am going with this when I talk about terraforming. And hopefully you're starting to remember or it's resonating with you what this river basin line really is. Okay, but we're going to get into that. All right, so let's go to... The next section. Drying of the America West 
the reservoirs of the Colorado River. Okay, let's see if we can blow this up. Yes, we can. Okay, so the, again, this is showing you the states that depend on water from this river basin. Okay, so this is just a blown up picture showing you in detail. Okay, so again, I want you all to pay attention to these river lines. Okay, all right. The Colorado River drains a huge area of the arid southwestern United States. While the source of much of its water is from the high forest on the western side of the Rocky Mountains, the main river flows through desolate canyons and dry desert areas by buildings, dams across the river, we have been able to hold back some of the water that would otherwise flow downstream. The result of each dam is a reservoir of saved water that can be tapped as it is needed. The mighty river that carved the Grand Canyon is now responsible for providing water for growing, <coughs> growing numbers of people and agricultural across the Southwest. Okay, so we clicked on the map uh, for a larger view, and, you know, we kind of went through that on, and I'll click on it again. Okay, I'll click on it, and let's go back to what they're asking us. Uh, focus in on the locations of the large reservoirs formed by the Glen Canyon Dam, Lake Powell, and Hoover Dam, Lake Mead. Okay, so uh, let me read this and then I'll click on there, that in a second. All right, so which shows a large portion of Lake Mead in March of 2014, a time when the, wet, the reservoir was filled to just 42% of its capacity. The Whiten Canyon walls or bathtub rings, so they're talking about that right there, above the water indicates the reservoir's highest level. The white bathtub ring is higher than a 10-story building. So let's open that up because that's what they're describing to you. So, this is what they're describing. So, this is the highest point of this reservoir. Okay? So, that shows you how much water is evaporating. Now, also keep in mind, they said that this level, this white ring level, is the level of a 10-story building. So that's quite a lot of water. <clears throat> now let's get into, I want you to really pay attention to what you're looking at in this picture. 
Now, those of us that you're uh, with the series, Mama Tara and the Consciousness of Her People, the last two episodes, we specifically talked about what mountains really are. So I want you to look at this again. Okay. These family are what the ancient trees were. What you are looking at are the is the residue of these ancient trees being cut down and their root system being excavated for the crystals and minerals and gold and all of that. And what was left behind, they flooded. It was flooded to create what you see now. So if you pay close attention and throw out what you've been taught and look at it not only from a spiritual perspective, but a common sense perspective as well. This looks like a quarry. Okay? Up here, this flattened part, that truly shows, this was probably where the main tree was. And that was looks like it's definitely just been cut across. Okay? These pieces probably just fell off. But this, uh, this site is the site of where the ancient giant trees used to be. And they were cut down. And their root systems were dug out and excavated. And this area was flooded. Okay? All right. Okay, so if we look at this picture, these rivers, or this Colorado River Basin, that is the remnants of the ancient trees. The, this is the root system. This is the root system, family. Okay? So that root system was dug out for its minerals because those ancient trees had a silicon Makeup. So their roots were silicon. Along with other um, minerals as, as well. Uh, amethyst. Uh, what we call rubies. So those particular crystals and minerals were dug out. Their root system were dug out. And that area, uh-oh, let me go back. Did I close the other one? 
it was flooded. Okay. All right. So keep that in mind as we keep going through. Okay. And even in up here, they admit that they, um, they're building dams across the river. Okay. All of that. When you see dams, all of that, that is a form of terraforming. Because that means that area is not supposed to have a certain amount of population. So they create dams to let populations be able to move there. Okay? Now to get even more specific, I want us to be clear. The reason why the West is a desert, the reason why the West is a desert is because of the terraforming of the ancient trees. The entire ecosystem was destroyed. Okay? So in order for them to inhabit the West, they started re-terraforming. So the original terraforming, just to be clear, was the cutting down of the ancient trees across the planet. Okay? So you can go on YouTube. There's plenty of videos putting this information out. And once you see it with your own eyes and you digest it, you will never be asleep again on this subject. Something, someone cut down the ancient trees of the planet, which is terraforming. And this is why you're going to see either one or two things, which is terraforming, and that's the original terraforming on the planet. Which is why when you see mountains, you're going to see one or two things. You're either going to see those mountains by a body of water, or you're going to see those mountains dry and desolate with either sand or just dry bone. So the dry bone should be pretty clear. Trees was cut. That was it. The mountains, what you see left are the tree stumps. And you're going to see some of them with uh, the mountaintops that are just flat, straight across. And when you look on the top of the mountains, you literally see the tree ring. There's no freaking denying it. None. The other mountains with the ridges, if you pay close attention, that's still a tree stump. It's just the tree died and it naturally fell on its own. 
which anybody that has seen a tree that naturally dies and it starts to rot and it falls, I want you to think about it. It looks exactly like mountain ridges. So the dry areas that you see in a mountainish region should make sense. Okay, the trees were cut down. The main big tree artery was cut down. Ancient, the large ancient big tree was cut down. That's the one that's going to be shaved flat on the top. And then any root system or trees connected to that tree that they did not cut down died naturally on its own, fell off, and that's where you see the ridges, okay? And in addition to them cutting down the tree, they also excavated the root system, which even more why why they, the trees died because if you don't have roots, you don't have uh, a plant, okay? So that's the dry that you see mount in, in the mountains. Let's get to when you see mountains in the desert and you see all of that sand, okay? And we went over this. Um, in the Truth Uncompromised video, but I'm giving you this because I want you all giving this to you again, those of you that um, have heard this before, but I'm putting this in this content of this podcast so we can truly understand, understand, and overstand the amount of terraforming that not only has gone on on this planet, but continues to go on on this planet. And how really artificial things really are. So even things that we think are natural, like this Colorado River, that's not natural. This is as a result of terraforming. Okay, so let's get back to the, the second thing that you see when you see mountains. You see mountains in a desert. A de when you think of desert, you think of what? Sand. Sand is silicon. So meaning when the ancient giant trees were cut down, it is the dust, the silicon dust from those trees. Just like any tree cut down today, you have fine wood dust associated with it. Okay? So that's the second thing you're going to see. The third thing, all of it is destructive. And all of it should really make all of us feel a certain type of way. So the third is what we see here. Let me shut this one down. When you see mountains and then you see water next to mountains, 
or ancient trees, what I now call mountains, ancient trees. When you see this water, all this means is they have just backfilled or flooded this area. After they've done the excavation, so meaning after they've not only cut down the silicon trees, dug up the root system, because the root system had all of the, the minerals, so meaning all of the silicon crystals, all of the rubies, I'm sure gold was in there as well, um, emeralds. They flooded it. They absolutely flooded it. Okay? So I wanted to give you this input so you can understand this landscape is not its original state. It's not the original state. This water was not naturally here, okay? This is a quarry that they flooded, okay? All right, and the last point with this particular um, scenario of seeing mountains with water, that is why when you... Uh, dive deeper in a lot of the water, what's at the bottom of the water and the oceans. Isn't it sand? What is sand? It's silicon dust or the dust from these ancient trees. Okay, so let's get back to this. All right, <clears throat> so now... <clears throat> Their quarry slash reservoir is drying up. So we're going to listen to what they have to say. I don't think this is a long video. Just a stone's throw from Las Vegas, Lake Mead is a popular spot for boating and fishing. We have to fish. Landscaper Matt Baruti and his son Jet are out here fishing every chance they get. We're very competitive about it as well. But in the last few years, they have watched the lake get shallower and shallower. You know, just coming out here on a boat all the time, we see the difference every time we come out. There's something's changed. A new rock outcrop has popped up somewhere. A lot has changed since engineers created the lake in the 1930s by blocking the flow of the fickle Colorado River. Draining a vast region of mountain and desert, entering seven of the largest western states, it poured its water southward into the Gulf of California, periodically overflowing the prosperous towns and rich agricultural districts near its mouth with devastating floods. So the Hoover Dam was built to control those floods, store water for cities and farms downstream, and generate thousands of megawatts of electricity. The reservoir filling behind the dam was named Lake Mead. But over the years, the lake has dropped tremendously. You can see all of this white used to be underwater. And now that's creating big problems for everybody downstream. 
That's because water from Lake Mead has become the lifeblood of much of the desert southwest, says Pat Mulroy at the Brookings Mountain West Research Institute. I mean, you have some of the largest western cities, some of the largest American cities that are critically dependent on this water supply. You have some of the most productive agricultural areas, and you have an obligation to deliver water to the country of Mexico. I mean, this is a system that can't fail. But cities and farms are taking more water out of the Colorado River than flows in. And 14 years of drought have pushed the system closer to failure than ever. Lake Mead is full at 372 meters above sea level. It's at 329 meters now. At 320 meters, hydropower generation is threatened. The last water intake for Las Vegas runs dry at 305, and at 273 meters, water stops flowing out. And senior researcher Deborah Notman at the Rand Corporation says the drought that has drained the lake this far could still get much worse. That region has experienced extended droughts much longer than the, the current uh, drought that we're, we're going through now. Uh, these droughts can persist for, for decades, in fact. And more extreme droughts are expected with climate change. But all is not lost in the desert southwest. No, they're of course not doomed, but uh, they do have to act. Uh, and, and, and many of these actions are going to take years. Notman co-authored a report with a range of options to make river users less vulnerable. From more efficient household use to massive transfers from other rivers. All will cost billions and take years to implement and none will completely eliminate the risk of shortages. The millions of people depending on the Colorado River will have to decide what life in the desert is worth to them. Steve Barragona, VOA News, Lake Mead, Nevada. Okay, so uh, let's see if I can back this up a little bit. Uh, Bear with me, bear with me. Right there. Shaved across. Shaved across. The original terraforming. Okay. All right. So I uh, wanted to play that little video to show you now how their uh, Colorado River, this is in serious trouble because remember this, they set up to support one, two, three, four, five, six, seven states. Okay. Now it's failing. Now it's drying up. All right. Okay. Uh, well, while I have this up, <laughs> okay. So this is, um, Look at this family. Look at it. Okay, these mountains are just not what they call mountains. This is a quarry site. All of these were trees, their own ecosystem or ecosystem. Okay. All right. Okay, so they're just uh, going over. Here's just a couple of charts. 
um, talking about uh, the reservoir of Lake Mead and Lake Powell over time. Okay. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Okay. And I know this Powell name is Scottish. You're going to find this name a lot in the United States Corp or in the Americas. Uh, I also know this name links back to uh, Melanated Scots. Okay. All right. So does it make sense why... This was named Lake Powell. But we're going to continue. Although probably the person Powell was involved in constructing it, whatever the case may be. But I'm just putting this into content that it is time for us to start paying attention to the names, to origins, to the root, to the root of how things happened. Okay. So this one, yet again, uh, gives more um, information. And as you can see, it's always been up and down with drought and all of this type of uh, jazz. Always has. Which would make sense if it was artificial from the start. So we're talking about terraforming upon terraforming upon terraforming. And anytime you terraform, that means it is not natural. And meaning there's always going to be issues with it. Always going to be issues. It takes a lot of work, a lot of adjusting. To make it work. All right. So let's continue. What's responsible for the for lower reservoir levels? As you look at the data on climate and participation, precipitation, you've learned about how drought is considered a common part of the long-term climate of the America West. Okay, so again, I'm going to say we should know that that entire America West desert is the result of original terraforming of cutting down the ancient trees. Part A looked at two of the water reservoirs for the Colorado River Basin and the current drought situation. Okay, so I just find it, ugh, it's just disgusting that they want to sit up and talk about a drought when out the gate after the terraforming happened, with this area they're calling Colorado, 
Let's go back here. They want to talk about this area being a natural desert when now we should know that it wasn't because you had ancient trees there. So the West set idle as a desert for quite some time with only the water source that they flooded it with. The quarry water, I like to call it. So when they decided to open up the West, pay attention. When they decided to open up the West, that's when they came in and started re-terraforming and building reservoirs so a population could inhabit the area. All right. <clears throat> Part A looked at the uh, at two of the water reservoirs for the Colorado River Basin and the current drought situation. Now you're going to look at one of the many studies that are helping decision makers plan for the future of this region's water. Particip uh, precipitation is a necessary factor in determining water levels, but temperature is also a factor. Temperature helps influence evaporation, snowmelt, and drives up water use in both cities and for agriculture. And now let's talk about the snowmelt and just snow in general. Because could it be that the Colorado mountains and area with all of the snow or those states, period, uh, with the snow. Sorry, I thought I still had that uh, map up. Those areas, period, with the snow, that after the ancient trees were cut down, the root systems excavated, that the planet herself went into shock, and parts of her, she had to quarantine out or change the density. Hence, where you get the snow or the cold regions. Either that or her density level in those areas were changed purposely to create an environment that generates uh, snow. But either way, it is a result of those ancient trees being cut down, all right? So temperature helps influence evaporation, snow melt, and drives up water use both in cities and for agriculture, okay? Studies indicate that temperatures are rising across the country and in the upper basin of the Colorado River, from 2000 to 2014, temperatures were 1.6 degrees Fahrenheit higher than the 20th century average. One recent research study looked at what rising temperatures mean for the next century as the Colorado River and what they call hot drought. 
Okay, so they have an article talking about the shrinking Colorado River. It's based on research written by the same two authors. Yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, so we're we're going to uh, take a look at this article because it might... Um, Okay, so like I said, they did a good job because this is a some type of uh, teaching lesson. I think they did a good job with it. Okay, climate change is shrinking the Colorado River. So again, this should make sense what this actually is. Okay. Okay, let's see. I'm just scanning through this. Uh, okay, nope, I think we're doing a good job on our own. Okay, I kind of figured it was. All right, so the study found continued low water flows combined with current operating rules at the reservoir could lower Lake Mead to 1,000 feet. Hy hydropower generation ceases at 1050 feet. Uh, and water ceases to flow at 895. Temperatures could rise by 5 degrees Fahrenheit over the 20th century, uh, century average by 2050 with mod modest or higher CHG emission. Higher emissions could result in the rise of temperature by 9.5 degrees Fahrenheit. So, for those of you that this is want, 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 want <laughs> for you, going to put it in um, plainer terms. They're basically saying that the levels of their reservoir, I say their quarry is dropping to the point where it won't even be able to power their um, hydropower system that generates energy and they're attributing this drop in the levels of water to the rise in temperature on the planet. So the rise in temperature on the planet also means evaporation of water, right? So what I am telling you is this is a breakdown. This is a breakdown of their original terraforming system. So when they talk about climate change and how dangerous it is, yada, 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 they are speaking on the breakdown of the original terraforming of the planet. Water flow in the Colorado could reduce by 20% or more below the 20 below the 20th century average by 2050 and by up to 40% by 2100. Large participation increases could offset rising temperatures but participation would have to increase by an average of 8% by 2050 and a 15% by 2100. Likelihood 
of a mega drought lasting 20 to 50 years occurring in the basin is better than 80% sometimes during the 21st century. The study also cites warming temperature affecting snowpacks and runoffs. Snowpack is the volume of water that exists as snow on the surface during winter months. Historically, melting snowpack has fed the Colorado River gradually throughout the spring months. Since 1985, snow has been melting earlier and faster, flowing downhill in the late winter, leaving the land drier during the spring. Okay. Um, okay, so we're going to look at just for Koreans, just so we all can get a little smarter. Let's look at uh, the video, what they're talking about, how the uh, water situation, okay? Plus, oh, where's the video? Well, I don't see the video, yeah. Where the video, people? Okay. Um... Okay, so they're just showing you most of the usable water in the West comes from snow melt and a climate warms, the waterfall, I'm sorry, the water supply will change. William and his colleagues study not only the quantity of the water supply, but climate change, groundwater shortage, snow hydrally, and pollution as part of the program. Oh, I guess it is a video. See, I didn't set up and accuse the people falsely. I apologize, people. No. It's early morning on Niwot Ridge. At the University of Colorado Mountain Research Station, snow hydrologist Mark Williams starts another day at 9,300 feet, coaxing a reluctant snowcat into action. And one of the big projects here is uh, the Niwot Ridge Long-Term Ecological Research Project, uh, Niwot LTER. When we get right to about 10,000 feet, we're going to hit snow line. Williams is an explorer. His discoveries are trapped in snow along with the critical questions about how nature stores water and the process by which it's released throughout the arid west. Let's say you're going to take a shower. Okay, where does that water come from? Most of it comes from the mountains at 11,000 Okay, just a reminder, remember what the mountains are. Feet in the Colorado Front Range we have somewhere around four to five times the amount of annual precip as we do in Denver. But exploring the source of our clean water can be hard work. When the snowcat is no longer just reluctant, but stops entirely, Williams and his fellow researchers have to strap on skis to go further up the mountain and get hip deep in the snowpack. Here, winter temperatures hit minus 30 centigrade. Deep below them, the path of the snowmelt is percolating through an intricate surface and subsurface system. How deep is this going to be, Jeff? That Snow accumulates work. during the winter. Uh, it's kind of like a bank where you got this really nice capital account. One question that we're trying to address with this research is how much water is stored as snow in these high elevation areas? And the reason we want to know that is so that we can answer this question, how much of the water that's used at low elevation i.e. by the city of Denver, for example, it comes from the mountains. 
Our best estimate is that somewhere between 60 and 90% of all usable water uh, in the western U.S. comes from snowmelt runoff. But Williams and his team of researchers look at far more than water quantity. Their work touches on climate change, groundwater storage, snow hydrology, and pollution. In fact, the Colorado Rockies hold the entire code to the puzzle of water. Both its origins and our future ability to supply it in the quantities we want and the quality we need. Researchers dig snow pits to make vital measurements of the atmosphere, including air temperature and meteorological conditions. And they build an array of snow lysimeters, underground boxes that isolate snowmelt from soil water runoff. So now we're under the snowpack, and there's all these snowmelt lysimeters here. Each of these pipes is connected to a collection basis that's basin that's out uh, in the snow that just is going to measure the water from snowmelt set up so that we're not measuring soil water or anything else, it's just snowmelt water. Researchers have mapped the snowmelt, and in truth, it continually recharges groundwater storage pockets, pushing older water out into streams while banking newer snowmelt for later years. And you can think of the groundwater as a big sponge, and it has some storage, and then when you fill that sponge up, uh, water leaves it and enters streams, and, and away we go, we use that water. This is a very unique site. I think it's the only one in the world uh, where we have an underground, under snow laboratory. Uh, we do a lot of other things here as well. One of those is we measure trace gas fluxes through the snowpack, and at times we've measured uh, N2O, CO2, methane. Climate change is the big question out here. As temperatures warm, what are the impacts on snow and water storage? If we switch it from snow to rain because it's warmer, we're going to end up with less usable water because we're going to lose that uh, banking effect that we get from the seasonal snowpack. And we're going to lose more water to evapotranspiration. So did y'all catch that? He literally said, if we lose the snow and it's replaced with the rain, the water is going to evaporate faster. So let me run that back. We get from the seasonal snowpack with, with less usable water because we're going to lose that uh, banking effect that we get from the seasonal snowpack and we're going to lose more water to evapotranspiration. Uh, so and it's, a, it's a positive feedback that gets out of whack really fast. Air temperatures are going to increase because we're simply putting more energy in the atmosphere. One of the things that is going to happen is... Air temperatures are going to increase because we are putting more energy into the atmosphere. Hmm. I'll let them continue. The dry places are probably going to get drier because they're going to heat up faster. And that's a prediction for the southwestern United States, and that appears to be happening. Water is a zero-sum game. The good thing is we can't lose water. We can't destroy it. The bad news is we can't make more water. Okay, all right, so they did a great job. They're really doing a, a great job with this lesson. Okay, so... I just found that interesting that they are literally depending on 
parts of the climate being iced over and snowed for their quote, quote, water supply and having the planet at a hotter level is not working for them, will not work for them, which makes sense to me, which everyone in the spiritual community has been saying, not everyone, some of us, <laughs> let me correct, has been saying that the planet will get hot, that the entire ecosystem will change back to a tropical, will change back to tropical. So that's why you have all of this panic about the melting of the Arctic, la, 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 la. And I am telling you, it is the breakdown of the original terraforming. Okay? All right. Okay, uh, I'm trying to see. I'm not going to go through any of that. I think we're pretty much done with this. Yeah, we're done with this. Okay, so I just wanted to go through that. Okay. So again, family, pay attention to what is going on, okay? Now, it's either two things of what's going on in the West. They are trying to re-terraform the West, and they're trying to re-terraform uh, it because of the changes, the natural changes that the planet is doing, that Mother Earth is doing to restore herself to her natural habitat, uh, habitation. Or they are moving people off of the land because they want the land restored. And it could be a combination of both. But in either case, clearly the planet, she's changing. She's changing. And all of these BS reasons they give us uh, climate change is going on because we're destructive to the planet. Well, hell. You can't get more destructive than this. What about this? And everything that has happened after this and during them excavating, cutting down the ancient trees and excavating the tree's root system was the ultimate destructor, destruction. So everything that you see beyond this 
cause major climate change on the planet. Major climate change on the planet. So now that temperatures are rising and the breakdown of their original terraforming, i.e. excavation, creating quarries around the planet, now that that particular ecosystem, unnatural, unnatural ecosystem that they have created is breaking down, now you want to try to convince us that's climate changing. So pay attention, family. Those of you that's living out west, let's go back to those states. I'm going to call them out for the podcast folks that listen exclusively online via the podcast. So those of you in Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, California, you better take heed. You have a huge water issue. Okay? They've already given you the reason. I've given you the root reason. Get ready. Okay. So that's all I'm going to say about this. Uh, I did want to bring this to the family's attention for twofold. Number one, to inform you of how serious, how very serious the water issue is out West. It's bad. I know you all are used to them talking about droughts, this, that, and the third. But hopefully now you understand why this is different. Because as those, the uh, faster the ice melts up out of the mountains, and as it gets warmer, so meaning not as much snow will generate, yada, 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 meaning not as much ice will Snow will melt, ice will melt, that lessens your water supply. So get prepared. Now, I thought about going into this, well, why can't they just use drones to make it artificially rain, which they technically could, but because you have an environment that's like this, that's going to take a hell of a lot. And not saying that they can't do it. So this is going to be very interesting. So beware, family that live, if you live in these areas, okay? The second point of this particular podcast is to really put into focus the true root reason of why there is even a desert area in the first place out west. 
And it is because of this. It's because of this. The cutting down of those ancient trees. Now we should understand that trees are quite special. They are quite sacred. So can you imagine? I can't imagine. I would love to be able to experience it. What the atmosphere actually felt like with having such ancient majestic trees across the planet how fresh the air really was. Can we, it, 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 we can't even imagine it. So that's the second part of this, for us to realize that deserts are not natural. Okay. So uh, that's all we're going to talk about family. Uh, I wish you all well. Uh, on this Tuesday, I hope that you can take this information and really start ingesting it in your soul and connect to it on what it really means. We are really, really, really in a, some may say crazy time, some may say difficult time slash frequency, but I say special. Because you are witnessing the awakening, the rebirth of the planet. What you are witnessing is the planet's consciousness rising. So when we talk about the rising of consciousness, we are talking about you as well, of course, because you are a part of the planet, you are a part of Mother Earth, and you are both rising together. So it's a very, very beautiful thing that we are aware of. Okay. So with that said, have a great day, fam family. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love.